0: to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty. This week's episode features Gina Way. She's a freelance beauty writer and editor. Many of you probably already know her, um, but I fell in love with Gina through her Instagram, which is just so clever! So please check out her Instagram. We talk a lot about it. Um, and if you missed last week's episode, it featured Mabel Lee. She's the founder and CEO of Valora Lashes. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I am sitting next to Gina Wei. She is a beauty writer, beauty editor, and beauty expert. Welcome to where brains meet
1: beauty. Thank you so much for having me. Honored. I'm so excited that you're here. Um,
0: I think we got connected several years ago. I don't even remember who connected us. Is it possible that you remember?
1: I don't remember. I hardly remember what I did yesterday, so no. But we we were connected, and we kind of have like you know interesting roads that join, and different things. Like you worked for Marcia Kilgore. I had Marcia Kilgore on a podcast, and so the beauty world is small.
0: Yeah, and it's so fun. And well, I just really want to start with something that might seem um, odd to start with considering your expertise, but I really want to talk about your Instagram. Okay. Because I love it.
1: Thank you. That means so much to me because I'm uh, my Instagram is not a beauty Instagram per se, and um, it's truly, my. <laughs> I enjoy it so much. It is very much a passion of mine, and um, so thank you for enjoying it. So
0: I feel like it's the best of what editorial does for us, right? It, like, gives me... Um, a new point of view on something. It makes me remember something I forgot. It brings to light something I missed, right? So you're able to take, like, kind of what we're missing from the magazine world, which is dying, and you're giving it to me for free on Instagram. And you have such a strong point of view, and I just love it. I love your voice. I love your humor. Um, So can you walk us through some of your... You do series, right?
1: I'm I'm, I'm finishing up um, a new series right now. Um, They're so much fun to do. They're just kind of like a little, like, just a little fun thing to do um, so I usually do hashtag 30 days of um I hope it's okay to say this. My first one was truly, I was very passionate. It was during the whole Me Too thing, which is, of course, still happening. And it was at Christmas time of all things. And it was, um, the first one I did was hashtag 30 days of sexual predators. And it was like an advent calendar for creeps. That's the first one you did? That was the first one. And um, it was uh, very popular because it was, sadly, there was a new one every day. I mean, I had to cut some people out. So, um, And then I did uh, 30 Days of Crushes, and they were all my crushes. And, um, and now I'm doing 30 Days of Big Primping, which is like kind of be- more beauty and getting ready and behind-the-scenes kind of stuff.
0: I love it because I really do feel like I'm there with you, which is, I think, the the power of your voice. Thank you. I feel like I'm, you know, in your kitchen, in your living room with you as you're conceiving of this and having fun with it. I can see you smiling and giggling to yourself.
1: Oh, my gosh. That means so much. Thank you so much because that's kind of what I want to convey. I hope I convey. And... Um, the humor has to come through because it's just, I'm just completely myself on Instagram. Honestly, I really am. I'm, I'm totally authentic. If you follow me on Instagram and you feel like you know me, you kind of do a little bit because it's, it's very much who I am and it's very personal. Um, so when I do post something that's beauty related or editorial related, whether it's something that I wrote for somebody or a product I love, I love it. Like I really love it, so I I don't just post selfies of me having coffee and putting a mask on. You'll never see me with the selfie with a mask on. No, none none of that. No.
0: Um, what is the feed so that we can get more people, more eyeballs on it? Um, it's at Gina
1: Way One.
0: G-I-N-A-W-A-Y-1. Correct. Okay, so um, I really recommend that people go there because they Thank will you. Like, have a nice spirited moment with you. <laughs> it's but, spirited. But it's
1: not just the 30 Days in; it's about the food. Yes, okay, that's true, and we've talked about this before. I love food, and one of the reasons that I love living in New York, besides the culture and the art and the fun and um, the theater, because I'm a big theater geek, is um, Food. It's just it's entertainment. It's so awesome and delicious. And I love taking pictures of it. I know millions of people do that, but I just have so much fun doing it Um, and even things I make. So, um, yeah, it makes people hungry, I think.
0: I don't know what it is about you but I really do feel like I've gotten to know you and I know this is sounds so crazy it sounds like a stalker kind of thing to say but I feel like oh I want to go to the theater with you let's make
1: a theater date. everybody That's- says that to me and um, I do make theater dates with my friends like that because they're just like I want to go to the theater with you but um, uh, sure yeah I love going to the theater and I love eating and I you know I love all that stuff and I love seeing art and stuff I think that we talked about my ventriloquist Um <laughs> Because I'm obsessed with ventriloquist dummies, and Laurie Simmons did a series in the 90s of ventriloquist dummies, and um, I just went to that show at Mary Boone, and um, I was just in <laughs> dummy heaven. So <laughs> Ed posted that too. What is it? It's about? Very eclectic. What is it about the
0: dummies that you love?
1: When I was a little girl, uh, growing up in California, I wanted to be a ventriloquist. Uh, I probably wanted to be an old va- vaudevillian or something. It's weird. And I had a dummy. I had my own dummy, and I would practice in my room. Um, my ventriloquism. <laughs> Are you good at it? I I don't know. I haven't done it in years. And I think my mom and dad threw away my dummy. He was very cute. So um, yeah, I have a soft spot. Do all the dummies look the same? Always like the bow tie and the blazer? They always look very dapper. Uh Hers, uh, on my Instagram, you can see all her dummies. And one is actually wearing a little pajamas and a robe.
0: Well, um, yeah, so I feel like what you've done with your Instagram is really what Instagram was intended for. Like Thank giving you. me um, a way into your heart and, you know, your soul and, like, the real you and not just, like, Instagram face, right, which
1: is what we see everywhere? Wow. Uh, it means a lot because sometimes I feel like, oh, I should po- I should post more selfies. I should, like, do what all the other, like, girls do at, at beauty events and mm, mug for the camera and stuff. And I just can't. I just feel like a goofball. I can't do it. So I just have to be myself, which I think is really important with Instagram because we all see so much of the same stuff. And... Um, if you're yourself in anything, I think it really pays off. Yes,
0: I agree. Authenticity wins in the end. It does. So let's talk about um, the varied beauty career you've had, and let's start with the My Beauty chat. Can you tell us what that is all about?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I just finished that kind of tour of duty at Hearst. I often go into Hearst um, which is obviously a huge publishing company in New York um, to do maternity leaves or to do um, you know some kind of special uh, editorial gigs um, and they're all freelance gigs so it's it's a Timeline. Um, So I was there for the last eight months uh, developing and creating a podcast for them that was sponsored by L'Oreal, and it was called My Beauty Chat. And I know that you know what this is all about. It was so much fun uh, because I kind of could create it from the ground up, and they gave me a lot of autonomy, and we had amazing guests on, and um, we had Marcia Kilgore on, and we just had great guests, and we had so much fun. And it was uh, it was terrific. It's still happening. I'm just not working on it.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, when you're doing your recordings, is it similar to this? Like you're sitting in a room that has soundproofing. Yes. Are you at a table? Are there big microphones? You're wearing a headphone. Tell yes,
1: headphones. Bec- and sometimes I wonder, like, is that even for real? But it looks cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a little room, and it was in uh, on the Popular Mechanics floor, which was funny since we were having these like beauty conversations and behind closed doors um, um, it was great it was a really huge different kind of challenge for me editorially and um, in the in the way that media is now and the way that media is changing it was a wonderful opportunity to kind of do something different and work in audio and I was surprised to find how much I liked it I really had fun it was a really really great. Um, experience.
0: So you were charged with um, setting up the guests and creating the questions and leading the conversation? Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then would you have a staffer, a full-time staffer during the conversation too, or is always just you and a guest?
1: It was, um, we would have different uh, beauty editors as the host, um, and then I would host sometimes, and we kind of mix it up a little bit. So we would have Leah Weyer as a host, Brian Underwood as a host, like all these really big beauty editors Mm -hmm. at Hearst. And then we would have our guests, and it's just a blast. It was um, only available on Amazon Alexa, so if you have an Alexa or an Echo, you can still ask for um, my beauty chat. Ask for a beauty tip, and I think it will get you there.
0: And was there an engineer in the room? recording the session. Yes. Right, so that's like the opposite of what we do. We, we've done that before, and it just felt like, well, we were always working around the schedule of the recording studio and what they had available, and uh-huh. if the client needs to move an hour, we can't move an hour, uh-huh. because, right, so um, we just Googled, like, other ways to do it.
1: Yeah, it was nice to have those guys in there. They're an incredibly talented team, and... Um, It made me feel better because we didn't know what the heck we were doing, to be perfectly honest. So we were just winging it. So I'm glad we had somebody who had some technical skills.
0: Yes. Um, Well, I'm I'm so excited to sit with you because we are basically in the same business. We're both, I guess, audio entertainers? I don't know. What are we? <laughs> I love that. We're audio entertainers.
1: I feel like I should do a tap dance for you people yeah, right bring now.
0: Bring out the dummy. Yeah, bring <laughs> out the
1: dummy. Danny O'Day, where are you? <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about your career because,
0: you know, our listeners are really, really, really hungry for journey information, right? They're either trying to pivot in their career and work up the courage to do it, or they're just starting out their career and they have no idea how to get where they want to go, or they're just like everyone else, they're sort of floating along and trying to
1: figure out, is this right? Is this what it's supposed to be? So, I I think we all say that all the time. I mean, so don't ever think that you're uh, asking the wrong question when you're thinking, is this where I'm supposed to be? I ask it every day, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Well, you started your journey um, in the movie business. Indeed I did. I'm born and raised in uh, Southern California, went to UCLA, and went straight into the movie business, which strangely in a very weird way, kind of led me to doing, becoming an editor um, for print because I was working with scripts and screenwriters and beginning, middle, and end of a story and kind of finding material and stuff like that. Um, Then after that, that was like my first my first career, I've done a lot of reinvention. I don't know what happened to me. I really, to this day, I don't know why, but I moved to New Orleans. Um, I just quit my job at Disney working for a producer, (laughs) and I moved to New Orleans. My parents thought I was insane. I sold all my stuff, and uh, wow, that was a crazy thing to do because I don't know what I thought I was going to do there for work. And uh, and I stumbled into makeup and met um, like the makeup artist there. If Susan Spade is ever listening, you are the bomb. She was the makeup artist in New Orleans and she kind of took me under her wing and taught me everything. How did you meet her? Um, she had a little cute store um, in uptown New Orleans where they sold Mac and Kiehl's and did brows and massages like a little spa. And I walked in there, and we became fast friends, and um, she just taught me everything. And before I knew it, I was doing, like, MTV videos that were filming there, and I was doing whole bridal parties, and I was tweezing people's eyebrows. I never thought I would ever do anything like that. It was hysterical. So you were working as a makeup artist, a commercial makeup artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still think it's hysterical, because I hardly wear any makeup, and I... um, I'm not that interested in makeup, actually, but, um, but hey, it was a job, and it was a really fun job in New Orleans. So um, I lived there for five years, and it was extraordinary. It's an amazing place to visit. If you've never gone, please go, because it is fun, and um, moved to New York and I knew I could not be a makeup artist here because I just wasn't that good. (laughs) Why did you leave New Orleans? Why why I met my, um, uh, the man who was going to be my husband, who's now my ex-husband, and um, so many changes, so many changes in life. And um, and we decided we wanted to move to New York, and he got a job in New York, and I was pretty clueless. And um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And... um, I, again, it seems like I keep stumbling into things, but there's some kind of weird strategy involved because everything does link together. Um, I decided that I didn't want to do makeup, but I wanted to write about makeup and I wanted to use the editorial skills that I had to write about beauty because I'm fascinated with beauty. Fascinated. Fascinated with the whole transformative aspect of it, the optimism of it, um, the psychology of it primarily. And so, um, but what made you think that you could be a writer,
0: right? You weren't writing in development, and you weren't writing in New Orleans, so right. why were you all of a sudden, let me spin my passions into writing? Why did it come right. out that way?
1: I don't know. I just thought it'd be really fun to work for magazines, and it just made sense to me. I mean, I knew I could write because I wrote in college, and I knew how to put a story together. I mean, I knew how to put words together. Um, so, and I was an English major, so it, it wasn't like that far afield. Um, you know, it wasn't like, a, I'm, you know I'm going to be a doctor. Now, that would be crazy. So um, I ended up getting a job at Us Weekly when Bonnie Fuller was there. It was the hottest Magazine around at that time. And the whole crew of us, the whole editorial crew of us, um, are still friends. And it was boot camp. I mean, we worked constantly and it was crazy. I mean, those were the days of Benifer when, <laughs> I mean, like those were the days. That was, I remember when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie hooked up. It was crazy. Like, th- that's when that was. Um, and for From there, I went freelance and started writing, you know, beauty in a freelance way.
0: So uh, there's two themes that I'd like to talk about, because I think there's um, two elements of the story that are going to be really helpful for our listeners, and one is... This idea of going from a two-income household living in New York City to becoming a one-income household—that's so yes. a, that's a whole lot of learning and, and managing, right? And then the second theme, which is not that far removed from it, is life as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of listeners who—I mean, they're hairstylists or makeup artists—they essentially are freelancers, right? Even if they have a, a yeah. job at a salon, they're, you know, freelancers. Um, so I think understanding how you approach life as a freelancer, especially living in New York City where it's not inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Would be really helpful, and then like this transition from a two-income household. And of course, there's, I'm sure, like a whole lot of uh, other emotional things that go with getting divorced, and I don't want to push those aside entirely. But I think that you know, just the the nuts and bolts of how do I support myself now when I've been used to having that like safety net of a
1: partner. Right. Well, I we didn't even have a two-income household. We had a one-income household, and it was my husband's income, and he had a hedge fund at the time. He does not anymore. and so I was like, "Woohoo! Let's go to Barney's!" I mean, it. W- I just. I've got to say, I really enjoyed it. I-, I miss the money so much. I'm not even kidding. I-, I miss the security. I miss the trips. I miss the money. I miss the shopping. I just miss it all so much. I swear, I think I miss that more than my husband. But anyway, um, we were together for. Uh, about 17 years. So obviously, there's an emotional aspect to it as well. Divorce is really brutal. Um, you know, it's like a death. It really is is very hard. When you live in New York and that person was completely supporting you, it is. Terrifying. So the sad part of it was so secondary to oh my god, what am I going to do? Like this is a joke. I'm a beauty writer and I need to like support myself and live in New York City and pay rent. I hadn't paid rent. I mean, I had no idea. It was like throwing a little toddler (laughs) in the street, going there. You go. You figure it out. I really felt clueless, and I had been pretty independent before, but I had done that thing, which I have to urge any young woman not to do, which is become totally dependent on a man. I mean, I can't believe I did it, but I did it, and it felt really great, and I enjoyed it, but then I really paid the price, um, because you just never know what life holds. Um, for me, and I know this is not the case for a lot of people, but nothing motivates me like abject terror. Um <laughs> I am totally motivated by fear um, and panic. I work really well under deadlines for that reason, I think. I don't want to disappoint anyone. I mean, I was in a situation where I needed to make this work or figure something else out or move, and moving was my last resort. I did not want to do that. So I, um, I really hustled. I think being a freelancer, is you have to be good at what you do, really good, and find your your little niche, you know? But um, I also think you have to be a hustler, and if you're shy or you're not aggressive about reaching out to people and figuring out ways to get what you want, it's not going to work for you. You also have to be very, very self-disciplined, which I am.
0: So let's go back to this idea of fear as a motivator, because When I get into this sort of like anxiety-fueled moments, usually around financial insecurity, I think that's what they tend to um, be about, I go into a hole. Uh-huh. Right. So a lot of opposite, people do right I go into a hole and sometimes I like like to sit with my anger and resentment and like really feel it and I don't really want to get out of the hole so quickly. And then, when I do want to get out of the hole, it's like hard work to climb out of it. So what you're saying is the opposite of, of this
1: a little bit I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of anger and resentment. I mean, I live in New York when you're a New Yorker, anger and resentment is your <laughs> is your daily mo like i' I'm constantly angry and I'm constantly resentful and bitter. but um <laughs> <laughs> but, and when you look on Instagram, please, like there are times I need to just take a break because, you know, it's like, oh, everybody's got families and everybody's got a house in the Hamptons and everybody's got money and, and everybody's doing something I'm not doing. And it, that is just not healthy. And it's also Instagram is all lies, people. Yes, we I'm being myself, but I'm showing you the best of myself. Like this is curated. So when you look at somebody's Instagram and it looks fabulous, Maybe it's not that fabulous, so don't feel so bad. Um, but, wait, how did we get here? Oh, oh, I go in a hole. You get, like, fueled by fear. I get fueled, fueled by fear. I don't get fueled by anger or resentment um, or bitterness, all those things that I just have. Um, fear, I, I, I want to get—it's it's a fight-or-flight thing, honestly. I think it's that kind of stress. Um I know I have to do it, and I have to figure this out, and no one's going to help me, and I've got to do it. Um, it's just a fight-or-flight thing. Like, push comes to shove. I'm going to figure this out, um, So, and I know I have to do it now because I have to pay my rent or my health insurance or something like that. Right. So,
0: so, the, so this divorce happens, the split happens. I guess the split up happens first, and then the divorce yeah. is like paperwork. But um, <laughs> Sort of. Right? So, this, like, <laughs> you Living with somebody who's supporting you and like, you know, um, financially. In high style. Sounds amazing. It was. And then literally that gets cut away and you're on your own and you have no way to generate income. Like you have to
1: figure this out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew I had a way to, Generate income, which was being a writer, but I did want to remain freelance, actually, if I could. So I kind of just like dove headfirst into the deep end. Um, and to be honest, it was so long ago now. I'm trying to think, like, did I? How did I do it? But I got, I got lucky, and I worked hard to get jobs. And as luck would have it. Um, the freelance thing kind of worked out because in when you're in New York um, in this business, you can get these kind of long freelance gigs like we were just talking about with the My Beauty Chat podcast. And those are very lucrative gigs, um, you know, as a writer. So, and, and when you have those, you don't need to hustle for like a feature story in a magazine or like something on, you know, a story that you're writing on refinery or something that your branded content where you're just cobbling together your monthly nut. Um, those are great. It's a lot of work, but it's great. So, and it kind of gives you the taste of having a job, you know? where right. you go to work every day, which I don't enjoy.
0: But what was the <laughs> the motivator to say, I'm not going to go get that full-time job, which would have probably, from my financial security perspective, feel safer?
1: I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know. I just really like being freelance, but that wasn't enough. I mean, believe me, to this day, and any anybody who's listening, um, I would definitely take a full-time job if it was the right job. Mm-hmm. And if it, was, if it was something that I was excited by... Um, um, I would a hundred percent do it because the security is a wonderful feeling. Um, you know, all that stuff is really great. But I have to say in this um, environment now that we're in um, in media, freelance may be the way to go for a lot more people. I mean, a lot of people are freelance now, M- maybe not. Maybe it's not their choice. Maybe they got laid off and they're looking for something. But a lot of people are freelance. So the competition is fiercer as well.
0: Right. So um, as a freelancer, and I've been, I mean, I run my own business, so I sort of feel like I'm a freelancer still. But yeah. yeah same, same mindset. Yeah. At many, at many points in my career, I've gotten laid off and from the freelance and then fired and then freelance, right? It's just like, thank God for freelance, right? It's the yeah. it same the day. But don't time. you
1: kind of love it? Because it's like, it, it's all yours and it's very creative, yeah I mean, um, like you're well, look what we're doing right now.
0: I would not have been able to start my age. I wouldn't have had the courage to start my agency if I didn't know that like well, be, running a business is basically like being a freelancer, like it's all on me, right? Mm-hmm. so um being you know being a creative in the city, you have so many opportunities as a freelancer. I mean, I got into beauty just by a freelance gig, like I was a copywriter writing I don't know random stuff for banks and stuff and things, and I got a freelance. Copywriting gig for Avon Mark. Remember that company? Oh, like yeah. their young, younger brand. Yeah. And that job I did simultaneously as I had my full time job, but it helped me get um, debt free. You know, I was able to pay off my credit cards with that uh-huh. side gig, right? And uh-huh. like, oh, I can do this. I can write about lip glosses and blush. It, it never even occurred to me to even want to do that, mm-hmm. but it was just that one freelance gig that led to then another, and then another, and mm-hmm. then another, mm-hmm. ultimately realizing this is my expertise.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does kind of happen that way, but you make it happen that way. It's a combination of, like, any other career, um, luck and timing, hard work, and um, hustle. Right. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of being a freelancer. Um, Money management. Health insurance. I don't even know. To be honest with you, money management, like, I hate numbers. I. I hate to even think about a budget. Like, I'll never—I know how much I need to make, and I just work my butt off to make it. Um, It's very hard being a freelancer in New York City. Unless you were a freelance, I don't know, something that makes money. I don't know. What is that? Something in finance? Um, But as a writer— uh, especially of beauty, too. It's I mean, it's not like the most lucrative thing in the world. So you have to... I mean, I feel like I've finally gotten to the top of my game, and I'm still working really hard. I mean, it's just the way it goes. It's hard.
0: Right. So... Um I've been, there have been times in my career where, like, I have to penny-pinch so much that I can't go get a coffee at the coffee shop. Like, have there been times in your career where, like, you can't, you have no money for frivolous things, you just have to pay the rent? Well,
1: we all have credit cards, so there's that. I mean, you know, and I always make my own coffee at home. I mean, I, um, yeah, I budget myself in that, as, as we said before, I love to go to dinner. I mean, you're not going to see me going to, like, you know, Masa. I mean, I'm not going to go to the most expensive restaurants, but I'm going to go to awesome restaurants that are reasonable, and I try to only go out, like, three nights a week as opposed to, like, every night, like, especially in the summer, you kind of want to go out all the time. And the one thing that kind of pains me that I can't do is travel. Um, I would love to go to Paris. I would Again, I would love to go to Copenhagen. I would love to go uh, to a lot of places. And my apartment that I love is pretty expensive, and it's like, well, do you want to live in this apartment or do you want to go on trips? So you have to kind of make your choices, sadly. I mean, it's a bummer. I mean, real life, (laughs) being an adult, (laughs)
0: All that. I have a friend who left, they left the city and they moved to Maine because it was way cheap to live there just for the reason of they wanted their money for travel. Yeah. Right? So they could freelance from
1: there. And that sounds amazing. And I, I don't know about you, but I... I sometimes think, like, if you do go someplace, you go to Portland, Oregon, or Seattle especially, I I just feel like, I could live here. I I could, like, just freelance from here. But could I, though? Because I really am such a New Yorker at heart, and I love theater too much, and I think I would be really sad. I would really miss New York so much, even though, of course, I hate New York, too. (laughs)
0: Because you're a New Yorker. (laughs) So, okay, with the last few minutes, let's talk about this hustle. Because you keep saying that you work really hard, you work really hard. But what does that mean? Like, what does it take... Like, are you constantly networking? Are you constantly, at, like, literally asking for the work? Like, how, how do you make the hustle happen?
1: Okay. Um, well, again, I'm at a certain level, so I'm not the beginning of my career or anything. So at, at a certain level in your career, beauty, as we were saying, is a really small world. And media is a small world, actually. You just meet a lot of people. Um, if if like for listeners who don't know, if you're a beauty editor or beauty writer, you're invited to events all the time. And when I'm in a situation where I need to start hustling again, like after this, my beauty check gig, I start going to events. Like PR people invite you to events and you go and you see other beauty editors, everybody you're just networking. It's all about networking and of course seeing new launches and products, which is great. Um, I always kind of have uh, a game plan that's not written out, although I'm a big believer in to-do lists and do this to, and check it off. I love checking things off my list. Um, but one thing, for example, besides getting assignments, um, like I'm doing big features for different magazines right now simultaneously, you're always working simultaneously, hopefully on a lot of big things stories or you know a couple um digital pieces or whatever um i also uh i kind of have a game plan in mind of w- what i want to do right now i'm really fascinated with editorializing brand content um there are a couple brands that i am slightly obsessed with because i feel like i wanted i want to get in there and kind of create their story or help create their story because it's not there yet for some reason in my mind. Maybe it is for them. Um, And so what I'll do is use the connections I have to get to the people that I need to get to at those brands and You know, you're not begging for work. You're not like, hey, can I do something for you? I think the key, somebody had told me recently, is just like, come up with a game plan. Go, hey, you know what? I am loving your brand. And I, um, this is kind of what I'm seeing. I wonder if like we can work together. Um, Don't ever make yourself less than, you know, always like you're like star. Somebody also told me, somebody who is a big deal person at a brand, you're the influencer. I think it's a big, um, mind game that you have to play on yourself. You are, I sometimes when I'm shy or I'm going to a beauty event and I don't know who's going to be there and I, I'm feeling shy and kind of insignificant or I've had a bad day or I didn't get some kind of gig or whatever. Um, I just pretend I'm Madonna. I walk in there and literally pretend I'm Madonna, and I just kind of like, hmm, I'm the queen. And if you pretend you're Madonna, Beyonce, whoever you want to be, that you're the queen, um, but you're still nice, so maybe Madonna is the best (laughs) example. I think that you have to do whatever you have to do to give yourself that kind of confidence. Um, I think there's a fine line be- that, you know, so that you're not some kind of know-it-all coming in there, but I do know what I'm doing, and I, when I'm passionate about anything, um, I love getting my hands in there. So that's my next thing, is working with brands, but at the same time, I'll always write stories and you get to know editors and they assign you things and you can pitch things. I've certainly pitched a lot of things that didn't come to fruition, unfortunately, but I'm, I'm just very, um, I have a lot of stick-to-itiveness.
0: You can do 30 days of um, ideas that went nowhere. On your
1: Instagram. I have one right now, and if anybody's listening, I have pitched this to a few places, and it just didn't work. And it's all about Princess Diana, because I I was a kind of editor in chief of a special issue about Princess Diana, and it's all about Princess Diana and how she's like so much like all of us with the way that she was with the man. So anyway.
0: Oh, so I interesting. On, uh, That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think there's, I think there's a movie in that one. I think one. there's something there,
1: <laughs> but it's true.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It was a pleasure. I'm really happy that you're here. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gina. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes and follow us on Instagram for show updates at We're Brains Meet Beauty Podcast.